Hi, Chris Valentin here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, and welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I'm your host, Chris Valentin. And I want to introduce you to Banning Leapsher. Banning, welcome to the show. And uh, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me jump on and talk. And, and Banning's a Kings fan, so we'll just get that out of the way. <laughs> so we want you to know that he is a loyalist. He's a loyalist. And Banning and CJ, they planted a church. Well, first of all, you were with us. You were with, gosh, you were with Bethel Church for how many years? 18, 18, on staff. I was on staff for 18 years, and then I attended there a few years before that in high school. But, yeah, I was on staff for 18 years. And you were like, were you like 12 when we put you on staff? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably have this conversation today. But you promoted me a couple times when I was pretty young. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you and so Banning's the founder of Jesus Culture, which began in Redding, California, and then later on we sent him out and planted a church there in well, right outside of Sacramento. And so that yes. was like, was that four? Are you on your fourth year, or is this your fifth year? Is this hard to oh. imagine? Uh -oh. I'm a, we're on uh -oh. eight years. Lord have mercy. I was still in. <laughs> well, listen, to be fair, you can't count COVID years, right? So the COVID, COVID years. So you were really only a year off because yeah, COVID, was, you can get rid of COVID years. But yeah, man. it's been eight years. What's really, what's really strange is I was in my 50s when we sent you out. <laughs> I haven't remembered my 50s for a while. Gosh, I think it's that PTSD, but it's better now that you're gone. <laughs> you say that. Absolutely. Life is better. Listen, I was convinced when we left that Bethel was going to implode. I'm like, well, we're going to leave and Bethel's probably going to implode. It's been a good ride. And yeah. yet, lo and, lo and behold, Bethel hasn't imploded and they still seem to be growing. So maybe I wasn't as important as I thought I was. Well, well, Banning, you, you were very important to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Banning, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like how, you know, where'd you get saved? And uh, yeah. just, just give us a little, a little uh, history. Yeah, you got, you got, you have three kids. Yep. Totally. Yep. I'm married. Uh, three kids. Been married for 24 years, three kids. I have a 22 year old, 19 year old and a 16 year old, two girls and a boy. Um, I was actually born and raised in Reading. Uh, if you guys are, if you've ever been to Reading, if you've ever been to Bethel, you'll find a little bit. It's such a, it's such a gathering place for the, from around the world uh, that I'm one of just a handful of people that was actually born and raised in Reading. So I was born, born and raised in Reading, pretty, uh, pretty conservative, legalistic Baptist. But I actually started attending Bethel when I was in high school. I was 17 years old. And uh, this was before Pastor Bill was there. <coughs> Excuse me, before Pastor Bill was there. And I started going to youth group there. And just uh, one night really encountered God um, on a Sunday night service and just encountered God and had grown up in church. But you know that moment as a teenager where it really becomes yours. You say, God, I, this is what I want my life to be about. I went home that night and knew I wanted to preach. And uh, I don't even know where that came from, but I, I remember going home that night and saying, Mama, I want to preach. That's what I want to do with my life. So really dove headfirst into youth group my senior year and then um, went away to college, went away to college for just my freshman year. And my plan was to go to college for four years of Bible college and then to get out. And I just wanted to travel and preach. 
And uh, that was what I felt called to do. Uh, I, I've heard Tompkins had come through town, Sean Smith. I'd read a Billy Graham book and uh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. And so, so I'm there and uh, the old youth pastor, the start of my sophomore year called and said, Hey, I, I think you should come do an internship. So I came back to do an internship at Bethel. And while I was there, Bill came on staff and, um, and just kind of wrecked all of our lives in the, in the most beautiful way. And uh, just encountered renewal and uh, got my eyes open to revival. And so I stayed. It's interesting because I was so young in leadership when all the stuff that Bill talks about, everybody leaving the church, the finances. I was so young. I was just having a blast in the, with the Holy. Like we we're just uh -huh. in meetings every night. We're encountering God. <clears throat> I felt none of that weight. But <clears throat> I was the associate youth pastor. I came on. I was 19 as an intern, 20 associate youth pastor. And then Bill came to me and said, we'd like you to be the youth pastor. And I turned him down. I said, no, I said, I, I, I kid you not, Chris, I said this. I said, I don't feel called to the local church and I don't feel called to young people. I just want to travel and preach. So I turned him down, but a few months later, I thought some doors were going to open that didn't open for me. And I came back to Bill and I said, Bill, I, I want to be the youth pastor. Not because I felt called to youth, just it was the door that was open. And uh, so I did that at 21 and um, just fell, I just fell in love with the local church, fell in love with young people. And, and then I was there, you know, for another 16 years, I guess. And so did that out of that came Jesus culture, which was just our youth group. You know, uh, we have a similar story, Chris, that you would out of Weaverville. I mean, uh, we were youth pastoring. Chris Kilala, who's 39, was 12 years old when I started youth ministry. Oh. And, um, and so we just had all these youth kids and we were hungry for revival and Jesus culture came out of that. And then, um, and then eight years ago, we moved down just to Sacramento area and, uh, planted a church seven years ago and, uh, been doing that now for a few years and having a blast. Banning, do you think like you seem to be a natural born leader? I, like I I ended up in your life, I think you were two years at Bethel when I came and became, yep. I think like year three, I think I became yep. your, your leader that you were kind of assigned. I was assigned to like try to figure out how to lead you. But uh, I, you, I, ran into, I ran into the buzz saw of Chris. <laughs> Keep going, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think Mark was leading you before that, right? I actually, I don't, that's a good question, but probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't think yeah, to be honest with you, nobody was leading me before you. It was so, it was so chaotic and crazy at that time. Nobody was leading. That's me. how it felt. But I didn't know if you had an assigned leader before I got there. Yeah. But so, but it felt, it feels like you are a natural born, born leader. First of all, do you think there are people that are naturally born leaders or do you feel like, do you feel like leadership is something that happens through a process? Do you feel like it takes a gift, a call. Like, like, what is your explanation, first of all, sure. of your own leadership? And then, and then yeah. you know, you you have a leadership school yourself, and you're you're speaking at a lot of leadership stuff for us and for other people. So, what is your kind of take? Like, is is everybody a leader from your from the way that you view leadership? Yeah, such a great question, Chris, and something I've really wrestled with. Um, I think I would probably adopt the John Maxwell. A definition of leadership and I would put a, a an addition to it you know because yeah. Maxwell he needs he needs my help yeah so <laughs> yeah let's let's fix it let's edit his book and send it back to him I would like to edit this but 
Maxwell would say that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And he would say that everybody has influence. And so, um, you know, but I would say this, it's influence that you've taken responsibility for. Okay. So, so leadership is, I have a measure of influence and am I taking responsibility for that influence and using it to see the kingdom of God expand? And, and so I would say, absolutely. Yes. Everybody's called to lead. You're called to lead in your family. You're called to lead, lead in your community. You're called to lead. I don't think everybody has the same measurement of influence though. And, and that's okay. That's, that's not like a value statement. There's not, you know, but, but so, you know, I don't think everybody has a national level of influence. Not everybody has a statewide, but everybody has influence and everybody is called, I think, to steward that influence and to say, what am I doing with the influence God has given me? And so does the guy who owns the local (laughs) plumbing business, does he have a national leadership call in his life? No, but he absolutely is called to say, I have influence God has given me, how am I using that to better my city, to better my employees, to better that stuff? So that'd be my definition. For me, my journey of leadership was, so So I would say it's both, Chris. Yeah. I would say, yes, I think everybody is called to be a leader. I think your response to that call matters. And I think how you steward that call matters. So I think what you steward grows, you know, so, there, so are, are people called to be a leader? Yeah. Have they responded to that call? Maybe not. Are people called to be a leader? Yes. Have they actually stewarded that call and grown it? Maybe not. And so that's, so a lot of what you're doing is, this would be my take. A lot of what your passion is, is to help people respond to the call to lead and to help them steward it by growing it, by actually growing their capacity to lead. For me, I, you know, I guess I was probably, there is some natural people, charisma, leadership thing. And, and I, 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 there's a couple eye-opening moments for me. Um, one was I was a junior in high school. I was playing on the basketball team. I, was, I wasn't even a starter. I was the sixth man on the basketball team. But the coach made me a captain. Wow. This was a really, this was a defining moment for me when I look back. The coach made me a captain. And, 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 and I remember one time I was acting like an idiot or something in life and he pulled me in his office and he sat, I'll never forget it. This little tiny Christian school. He had a little tiny office that used to be like a closet off the gym. And he sat me down and he said, he said, Banning, you are a leader. I I will never, it's the first time that anybody ever told me that. He said, you are a leader. And you are not acting like a leader. And he began to challenge me around leadership and actually called me a leader. Wow. And, and it, it really did mark me. Uh, and I wasn't even like serving God at that time. I was a Christian, but I wasn't like passionate about Jesus. That moment marked me where somebody actually recognized and called it out and yeah. challenged me and, and there. And then the second one, interestingly enough, when I really surrendered my life to Jesus, that's when the leadership giftings in me, yeah. I really began to see because they were now connected to a purpose. So for me, I didn't, you know, I was just floating along in life. But when Jesus, when I kind of surrendered my life, I said, Jesus, I want all of you and I want, to, I want you to use my life to change the world. 
all of a sudden, like leadership became something that I'm like, wow, that's in there. And, and that's part of my journey. So those two things probably. And then, and then honestly, listen, whoever's listening to this right now, Chris, you were such a big part of it for me because you began to treat me like that early on too. <clears throat> even in my messes, even in, in, in all the things I was doing wrong, you saw something and then you not only cultivated in me, you gave me promotions that were beyond my capacity because you saw something in me. Yeah. And so I think that I'm not just saying that because we're on the podcast together, uh, but, but you're saying that because of the money I sent you earlier this week. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Those yeah. things, I think they didn't necessarily uh, listen. I, I may have more influence than others. For what, I'm not saying that good or bad, but, but there were a few people in my life who actually recognized it, called it out and challenged it. Yeah. Which made me, begin to lean into it a lot more. Yeah. And so I think that that's probably a lot of my journey of why I was embracing that. And, it, and, and honestly, I'm so passionate about it. I want to come alongside people and go, you're a leader, take responsibility and grow. I was just with pastors right now at a conference we just did. And I want to say, listen, guys, I was telling them it's not about numbers. It's about faithfulness and uh, faithfulness. But anyways, I said this, but you also need to grow in your leadership gifts. I said, some of you guys are using Gideon's army as your excuse. I'm like, you don't have Gideon's army. You have a low leadership lid. Yeah, exactly. Grow your leadership lid. You know what I mean? So that's my passion probably. I was, I was going to say, um, I agree with you, all your definitions and what you were just sharing. You know, Moses uh, was instructed by Jethro, his father-in-law. He said, put men over tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are people that can do a fantastic job with 10 people. Uh, you know, it might be a little metaphoric, but where they, they no, that's, I get it. that's their level of, uh, of, of uh, skill and anointing and call. And their, their life's goal is to pastor 10, you know, I, I say pastor, mentor yes, 10 man. people, disciple 10 people. I get it, yeah. And then yeah. there's others that can do the job that someone does with 10, they can do with 1,000. And, yes, you know, man. the impact they're having. And the other thing that you said that what I think is really powerful, and I'd like to just repeat it, is there was a rite of passage in your life that I think is super important for leaders, women and men, where someone else acknowledges you as a leader and invites you to the leadership table, so to speak. Yes. And basically, you get to eat with the big boys. You get invited you know, from the children's table, in my metaphor, up to the adult table, and then you get you get called out when you're still acting like you're at the other table. And I think yeah. that so many people, it's kind of what I think happened with Barnabas and Paul, where Barnabas takes a hold of Saul and he becomes the great apostle Paul. Um, Banning, uh, you, what is the, I, I have a question here. Let me just find it again here. Um, hey, as you're um, looking for that, Chris, yeah. for that, let me, uh, sorry, let me, let me just say this. And I think it's so important, especially for young leaders, that they have a soberness about what you just described. Yeah. That when they are challenged to grow, they don't run from that. And I'm around leaders right now where I'm yeah. like, oh, you just want to have fun. <laughs> like you just want to be in your sweet spot, never in your weakness. Totally. Totally. You just want to have fun. And and there's this thing that, like, no, if you want to be a leader, it's going to require work and growth. 
and growth is not always fun. So I think that when you like, there's, there's that twofold thing. You as a father in my life saw something and invited me to the table. And then me as a son and a younger leader had to respond to the challenge and the input and the correction and actually be okay. I see a lot of people that don't go somewhere because they just don't want to do the hard work of growth. And, um, and, and so I think there's a twofold thing. with. I think, you know, what you're saying, no, I I mean, I heard a quote the other day and I, I posted it, I reposted it on my social page because it had a huge impact. And he said, uh, the quote was something like this. Some people uh, were born to have fun. Others were born to be, uh, to change the world. Others were born to change the world. And I'm like, yeah. And then your your words, uh, Paul said to Timothy, suffer hardship with me as a soldier uh, uh, and not as, uh, and now I'm from here on, I'm kind of ab living as a soldier, uh, not as a civilian, uh, not as a, you know, not, not taking your liberties as a civilian. And so there's, there's this whole thing with Paul to Timothy, like I'm suffering, you're suffering with me, bro. You're in the fight with yeah. me. And I, th- I think that he wasn't just called to the leadership table. He was called to the fray. Timothy was called to the fray with Paul and, and, and he was, he was forged in the fire. Yeah. Chris, you, I, you could address this as well. I, I remember the Lord talking to me early on. Um, because when you have a, when, when you say yes to the call to lead, yeah, it, there is a real cost involved in that. Now we don't talk about the cost much because I mean, what you get in return is so beautiful, but there's a real yeah. cost involved. And I remember the Lord challenging me in my early, in my mid twenties, because all my friends were kind of having fun. Yeah. Like literally they're, they're down at the, at the India casino playing nickel slots Were yeah. they in deep sin were they morally falling no right but they're down there playing nickel slots and they're just having fun and we just wouldn't go and i remember the lord saying this banning i am going to require things from you that i do not require of others yeah i'm going to require things of you that i don't require of others and and i could complain and be like well that's unfair whatever else or i could just recognize i've got a call on my life and that call means that there are certain things that the Lord's going to require of me. And you could, you have, you would have the same story. This the Lord just saying, yeah, Hey, I do have the same story. I have a, I have, I have some requirements for you, Chris. Like if you want to actually change the world, there's some requirements and guess what? I'm not requiring that from the guy next to you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's part of the cost. Yeah. To whom much is given much is required. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Banning um, looking back, in your early days of, you know, leading, pastoring, what was the biggest, or maybe what was the, what was the, you know, biggest change that you had to make when you, what, you know, greatest challenge, biggest change, yeah, uh, you know, hardest problem, you know, as, yeah. you know, you came into leadership, like, what was the giant in your land that you consistently had to defeat to actually, yeah. to actually, you know, continue to have favor and have people follow you and influence them in a way that was healthy and whole. Yeah. I'll probably things that would come to mind for me. I mean, I would probably give you 10, but there would probably be two for me as a young leader. And I started so young that I find when people ask like, what's the difference now at 45 compared to when I was 25, you know, when I was 25, I'm a visionary guy. 
so I see down the road, I, I, I'm passionate, I'm, I'm type A, I'm driven, I want to get somewhere. And then I'm also critical. So I'm a critical thought process guy. I walk into a room, there's 100 things, 98 are good and two are wrong. And I see the two that are wrong, you know, and want to go address those things. The problem was when I was younger, I couldn't stop and actually enjoy the moment. So I look back at my younger years and just realized I missed a lot of kind of moments because I, I, I'm, I'm just down the road and nothing's good enough. Yeah. So we're never where we should be. Yeah. And nothing's ever good enough. Yeah. And so whether it was leading youth group or whatever else, we should be further and it should be better. And I think as I get older now, I think I probably have gotten slower in a good way where I'm able to just to stop and enjoy the moment a little bit. I can enjoy what God's doing in the moment. There's things that need to be work on great. We need to be further on the road. And honestly, as small as that sounds, it's, it's, it's been huge for me because what, it's such, it was such a massive struggle where I, ne- I was not really enjoying anything. <laughs> like, oh. like it just was never enjoying anything because we were never far enough and never good enough. Um, so I think that that's one, but here's probably the biggest, well, there's, I can't say this is the biggest, but here's one of the biggest. And people ask me this question about my time at Bethel. They want to know like, what'd you learn? And you're like, well, I learned the kingdom and, you know, and I learned the supernatural and I learned faith and I learned signs and wonders and I learned the prophetic. I learned all that. But, but you know what the big one was, was community and people. Yeah. Like, like the biggest challenge was am I going to stick out community and, 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 and am I going to learn people? And so I, I think for me, the issue of community, like, I, and, and I mean, we really walked through some real stuff and we had to make real deliberate decisions around, am I going to continue to move towards community? Am I going to allow God to use community to shape my life? And then, in the, and then in the process of some of that, as a young leader, what happened to me all the time was I couldn't keep a team. So if anybody knows the DISC, D-I-S-C, I'm like a high I. So if you were a high I, you could survive on my team. The problem that I ran into was, was that, and this is the truth, I, I really believed that we had the best youth group in the nation on paper. That on paper, my, the strategy the ideas, what, what I saw from the Lord, I'm like, this is revolutionary. I just couldn't get it from paper to reality. <laughs> and, and I couldn't get it from paper to reality because I didn't know how to lead a team. If, if you were a high I, it was great. But I could, S's died around me, C's died around me. They never stuck with me. They all left. There was internal drama. There was tension all the time. And so I, I just like, like the ability to actually lead a team that's healthy and thriving and working together to accomplish that vision. Um, that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn as well. So community and then that team thing. So now as I'm older, I don't have it all perfect. But now as I'm older, there are D's and I's and S's and C's who are thriving and connected under my leadership moving forward. And now it's not just the best youth group on, in the nation on paper. We're actually able to kind of move things forward into reality in a way that I couldn't before because um, I just didn't know how to lead teams. I didn't understand people as well. I didn't understand me as well. 
community was hard. It was all those dynamics. So that's maybe a vague answer, but those would be something. Benny, what's the greatest victory uh, that you've had in your life when it, in reference to ministry and leading? Because <laughs> you know you've shared a whole bunch of your 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 failures. You know, like here's my here's some of my great failures. You know, but what what are what's you know, I mean, I, I there's there's things in my mind that you know that I know I know you really well. So I'm like oh, that was that was amazing. You pulled that off. And here's a couple of things I think we've done well. Uh, one is I think we've kept. I think people have stayed with us for a long time, and I actually find great joy and pride in that, that I can look around and say, these guys have been with us for 20 years. Um, but I would say this, there's a few areas that, and, and I'll, I'll reference a story with you. There's a few areas where I feel like I believed the Lord on that. Yeah. And, and, and I remember the Lord talking to us about stadiums or gatherings or all this type of stuff. I was stuff. hoping you're going to share that story. Yeah. And there's, and, and I, you know, I'll never forget standing in the doorway of your office one day and you looking at me and saying, Banning, I think you can do what's on your heart here. I remember you telling me this. I was sitting, I don't know if you remember this part, this story. I was standing in the doorway of your office. You were sitting at your desk and you were looking at me. You said, Ban, I've been thinking about you. I think you can do what's on your heart here. And, uh, and, and so there was a few things that I still, that I, I felt the Lord show me. And I felt like there was a few things he asked in obedience that we stepped out in and, and was a, like, was like, even for us, when we went to, which is crazy, Chris, it was 10 years ago. When we went to uh, Chicago at Allstate Arena, we had like 14,000 come for this gathering. And, and in our world, in Bethel's world as well, like we hadn't really seen anything like that yet. And yeah. And so, um, but I felt like the Lord really spoke to me about it. And um, we leaned into it. And, and for me, the success wasn't just the amount of people, because I remember walking around, um, I remember walking around Chicago two days before that event, like, cr like literally praying and crying. I was so overwhelmed by just the pressure of it all. Yeah. But, but I remember going, God, no matter what happens, I said, yes. And I think there's a few things for me where where I've said yes a few times, uh, hopefully my life is a yes, but I've said yes a few times to some things that were risky and scary. And, 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 and there's something in me that says, I said yes. And that's it. So there's a few things I think we've done where I actually said, I believed God. Like I believed God there. Like I, I, I truly believed what he said and we acted on it. And so, you know, Chicago obviously is maybe the, the best example or poster child even the church man even planting this church down here you were with me for a while i was very sober about planting a church because i i i have never felt like i'm a great pastor i've never felt like i'm a great consistent leader you know so conferences are easy you, you do them you pop in you pop out if it didn't work out in dallas you don't go back the next year but 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 pastoring such a different rhythm or yeah. local churches such a different rhythm and, um, and so when we came down here, everybody's like, it's going to blow up. You're going to be great. It's going to be all this. And I was like, I, I, I don't think it's just that easy. And, um, and, and I think the church part two was just so, so much obedience that was required of it. Mm -hmm. And to see it really flourish and thrive and know that it wasn't necessarily my strong suit, but I said yes to God to do it. So those things maybe. 
Ben, we got about four or five minutes. COVID has been a tough, tough for everybody. <laughs> everybody, everybody who's listening on the globe, yeah, will say a big amen to COVID was tough. And even if you, you know, even if you financially figured out some way to thrive in it, you still the lockdowns, the the uncertainty, the craziness. Not just for churches, but for just about every realm of life. Um, how did you? I, I know you know I, private. I know private conversations we've had. How, <laughs> well, how I'm did not you sure private conversations on your podcast? <laughs> you know, no, we're not talking about those. But you, you know, like everybody, you know your your ministry shrank, and now it's coming back. But you know, in the middle, in the midst of that, every leader goes through. You know, you do it in business. Like you have a bad. You know, I, I remember being in Weaverville and, you know, and and uh, having sales that were half of our sales the year before and wondering if we were going to survive, you know, and 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 asking myself the question, like, is there a bad rumor going around? Did we did we you know, did we do something wrong? You know, did we lose our best customer? And so, you know, and, and, and it's the same in ministry. You know, you uh, I, I remember uh, I had a, um, a home group at my house for 17 years. And I remember four or five times Wednesday nights when there was nobody came, like not yeah. a soul came. Yeah, yeah. And our our home group was an average probably thirty people, and I'm like, it's over, my ministry's over, you know. Uh, how did you weather, and how are you weathering this COVID storm? What what are you what did you learn out of your you know this last challenge that we've all faced? Yeah. Well, I love it. Such a great question, Chris. Chris, uh, I, I, you know, for me, there's a couple of things. One is this: I think that we really, I just held on to 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 the voice of the Lord in so many ways. Like I, 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 I realized for me, as long as God's speaking, which obviously we know He's always speaking through His Word. Yeah. So hear me on this. But as long as God's speaking to me, I'll be okay. And so as I was navigating it, I'm like, Lord, I just need clarity on what You're doing. And if I can have clarity on what you're doing, um, then I find so many people struggle through seasons of fire or, or, or uncertainty or confusion because they have no clarity on what God's doing. Yeah. So for us early on, the, it was still difficult, but the Lord was being very clear to us in what he's doing. And much of it was, listen, we find out what we're made of. We find out what we find out where the cracks are in our foundation so that they can get fixed. Yeah. We find, listen, I think fire, I think fire both burns away wood, hay, and stubble, but it also reveals what's, what should stay. Yeah. Fire reveals the good and it burns yeah. away the bad. So, so in this moment, I did, we just leaned into that thing and said, God, you, you are revealing to us the things that need to be done away with and you're revealing to us the things that we need to build on it because of what you want to do the next 20 years in our lives so as painful as it was there was so much and and, and i really we we said this a lot it was like a season of revealing and invitation so it's like the lord coming and going hey there's some real immaturity in your life in that area he revealed it and then he invited us me I want to take you deeper in maturity. It's being revealed that you're not actually leaning on a kingdom that's unshakable. You're leaning on an economy of the world. 
you're leaning on a political party. You're leaning on things that are shaking and that's revealing to you that maybe you're not leaning on the kingdom at the level you think you are. So my point is, as we are going through this, really trying to just take it and say, God, I want you to refine me. I want you to grow me. Um, I, I, I want you to reveal things to me because I believe it's unto something that everything we're walking through wasn't just like, well, what a waste of a season. You know, that was a waste of a season. It's like, no, this season did something because of what God wants to do in the earth. And so I think for me, really trying to continually just get clarity from the Lord. What is it that you're doing right now? And I'll embrace that. I'll embrace what you're doing, but I need to know what you're doing. And he might say, I, I, I am trying to strengthen your foundation. There are some cracks in your foundation that the only way they get revealed is in the midst of shaking. They do not get revealed another way, but shaking. So I don't know if that even makes sense. Oh, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I, I think that I felt like I was in the spin cycle of the washing machine. And just about the time, you know, the, the washing machine stopped, I'm like, oh, wow, over. <laughs> then the Lord throws in the dryer and he's like, okay, now let's dry you off now, you know. No, it's oh, so my goodness. Benny, thank you so much for being on. Could you just say, uh, could you just pray for the people who are watching now and will be watching this later? Yes. For, you know, yeah. it, it's been a tough season for lots of people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray over you real quick. Those of you that are watching, listening, refreshing, but also that that thing we're talking about where the word of the Lord would come yeah. and you would have real clarity. So father, I just pray right now. We've all been in the same boat in different avenues in different areas, whether people are in ministry in the church or they're, they're leading out in the world. But, but God, I, I pray that you would come one and bring great refreshing. I just see such a season of refreshing for people. I just see a season where, where you're just washing people of all of the mud and the dirt, all the dust that's come on them. You're washing them. And just a real season of even that feeling that's going to, you know, when you get out of the shower and you just, there's just that refreshing feeling, Lord, that you're going to bring that into people's lives. But I also pray this. I just pray that you would speak great clarity to them about the season they're in and what you are doing in that season. So that they would understand what you're doing right now how you're shaping them, how you're molding them, that they would understand that you're calling them to a deeper realm of trust because where you're taking them will require greater trust, that you, that you, are, that you are trying to deepen in the lives of people trust because you're trying to take them into a realm that will require greater levels of trust. And so we just bless people in the name of Jesus. Ben, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Yeah, Send, thank you, Chris. Uh, Sending uh, love to CJ and your team. And Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk again later. Thank you, Benny. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.